everybody, this is a special event on Lost Arts Radio. I'm your host, Richard Sachs, and we have our friend Sheriff Richard Mack with us, fortunately, and it's always great to have him on the show. This is a little different, though, because this show is going to be for Sheriff Mack to just walk into a, an imagined office of a chief of police in an American city, not a sheriff, and explain in this little appointment that we've got for a short time right now to the chief of police who is interested, paying attention, and wants to know how this message of CSPOA could possibly apply to a chief of police who's not even a sheriff and is employed by the city, etc. And is a law enforcement officer, pure and simple in most cases, many cases, how that could be related to the CSPOA message. So, we're recording a talk right now between Sheriff Mack and you, the law enforcement officer, the chief of police that's doing a great job and wants to do even better in your function as chief of police in a context of a time where things are changing quickly and based on what's going on now, whichever president we have in, in power, there's still the same forces working toward a certain end in society now and a lot of requirements are going to be coming up on police chiefs to follow whatever laws are made and just obey and in in at the same time as doing a great job as police chief the question is going to be how this is done at the same time as being true to the oath of office and most of us don't give enough attention to that issue and it's got to be put together so um, i probably said too much already let me introduce our friend richard mack as sheriff richard mack and you the chief of police or any any of you that are hearing this because we're releasing this publicly that feel that there's value here which we hope you will see that that you take it to your chief of police and or just any police in your town or your county and let them hear the message that's very critical and and almost never gets to people on the police department so sheriff mack i introduce you to the police chief and uh, we have a short time for you to convey a message right now well thank you and and chief it's really a pleasure to be with you it's a pleasure to meet you 
Uh, I know uh, your job is a very difficult one. Uh, I will tell you that I, I I used to have a chief of police that was my boss. Uh, I worked for a city police department up in Utah for 11 years. Uh, during that time, in those 11 years, I served as a patrol officer. No, even before that, sorry. I was a meter maid, a parking enforcement cadet. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing title? But, Chief, uh, I, I worked all the way up from the very uh, bottom, starting as a meter maid. And then I was a patrol officer for about uh, four and a half, five years. And I was an undercover narcotics officer. Now, that was an experience that I'll never forget. My wife won't either. Uh, I would never ask anybody to ever do anything like that again. Oh, wow. Talk about paranoid. I was so paranoid under that assignment. Um, I, I didn't even get to go home very often. But when I did, uh, I was always looking out windows to make sure nobody followed me home. Uh, I was so afraid that somebody would uh, find out uh, where I lived and, and get my wife and kids. I actually had three kids while I was undercover. Uh, it was the only time in my entire life that uh, I smoked marijuana, Chief. Um, that's why it was so foreign to me because I didn't drink. I didn't smoke and party or anything else. The only time I ever smoked pot in my entire life was when I was a cop. Uh, that kind of sounds like a crazy irony, doesn't it? But uh, nevertheless, it's true. I learned a lot. Uh, I also learned um, that maybe the drug war isn't what we were told it was supposed to be, and that maybe our efforts are actually making it worse and not helping. Uh, but that's where I started questioning the efficacy of the uh, drug war. But I will tell you this, Chief. The only reason you and I are speaking right now is because when I was sheriff of Graham County, Arizona, I did something really crazy. Oh, and by the way, I was a detective also uh, for two or three years. I also specialized in juvenile delinquency and also crimes against children. And so you know the types of cases I dealt with there that I wouldn't even want to talk about anymore. I don't want to like to talk about them. The things that parents were doing to their own children and sometimes other relatives uh, drove me crazy back then, still does now. I just cannot fathom that uh, people could do that to their own relatives and especially to their own precious children. Uh, but uh, the only reason that you and I are talking right now, Chief, is because when I was sheriff of Graham County, Arizona, back in 1994, I served eight years as sheriff. In 1994, I started a lawsuit against the Clinton administration to stop the overreach and gun control associated with the Brady Bill. And believe me, this was an amazing case. Absolutely changed my life. Uh, because we actually ended up going all the way to the Supreme Court, and we won a major landmark case. I don't know if that's the only time law enforcement has ever sued the federal government and won a case at the U.S. Supreme Court. I think it is. But I know it's the only time a sheriff has ever done that. So I started this lawsuit uh, basically January of 1994 after agents of the VATF came to our Sheriff's Association meeting in Phoenix 
and handed us a 25-page document that detailed what our job description was. Get this, our marching orders from the federal government on how we were supposed to enforce the Brady Bill for the federal government. No, it was not funded. Yes, it was an unfunded mandate. Three, we never even got to, go, to negotiate how we were supposed to be involved with this. They ordered this, and they threatened to arrest us if we failed to comply. Chief, is that okay? The federal government can do whatever they want? I said they couldn't. I said they had no jurisdiction to force me to work for them. And uh, whether they paid me or not, they had no jurisdiction to tell me to do anything. Now, look, I, I know how it is. I worked eight years as sheriff with other chiefs of police. And we had a monthly meeting. And I recommend this for everybody. We would meet for lunch somewhere at a different restaurant uh, every time uh, so that we're spreading the money around to the various restaurants. But we had the, the uh, table uh, where we met every month. And I wanted to be on the same page with these other law enforcement leaders. Sometimes we weren't, but we dispatched for all these agencies also so that we didn't have every agency with their own dispatch center. And we had a 911 center. So, uh, and that's really where a lot of this E911 started. But chief, don't you think that we all ought to try to do that? We should be communicating openly with each other. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but shouldn't we all try to get on the same page to where the sheriff isn't enforcing a law one way in the county jurisdiction and then the chiefs of police enforcing it another way? People are going to get pretty confused about that and maybe even pretty ticked off. But I think we should be as we're looking at this, what's going on in America today. With all the corruption, yeah, man, People are getting a little bit uh, perplexed by the American system of justice and American politics. But the main thing I'm talking about here is, can't we be together? Shouldn't we be together? And what really is our job? Have you ever thought of that? I've heard police officers say, oh, the chief won't let us do our job. I didn't even know what they were talking about, really, because I wanted to ask them, well, what is your job? What do you think your job is? What are you complaining about? My officer said about me, too, and I'll tell you what situation brought that up. Remember when they first made it uh, illegal to not wear a seatbelt and that we're supposed to be forcing everybody to wear a seatbelt? Remember that? What was that, about 25 years ago? Do you, you remember how that gradually took hold? They first came out, the legislatures across the country said, oh, we're not going to make it that where you have to wear it and that cops can just stop you and start writing you a ticket for it. It's, well, simply we just want to make it a little $10 fine and, and the officer can write that to you on some other reason that he stopped you, but he can't stop you for that. He has to write you, he has to stop you for something else and then maybe he can add that as another charge and it's not even uh, a regular criminal complaint it's just a little civil problem and it can't go on your uh, record uh, for, to give you points to lose your license and, and all that now do you know where we're, we're at on the 
the enforcement of the seatbelts, uh, seatbelt laws. We're now at, uh, we actually have uh, roadblocks, administrative checkpoints to make sure people are wearing their seatbelts. And we not only cite them, but the ticket is now $200, $250, in some jurisdictions. Uh, I think in Arizona right now it's uh, 150 or 200 And uh, we're actually running roadblocks, Chief, uh, to enforce that. So, so I told my deputies, what's your job? Your job is not to write tickets for someone not wearing their seatbelt. I actually told them not to. Isn't it great, Chief, that we have that kind of discretion? There's no law saying I have to write a ticket for that. We can stop people and give them a warning, just like uh, stop uh, if they run a stop sign or a red light or if they're speeding. You don't have to give them a ticket. You don't even have to stop them. You can honk at them. I've even had uh, an officer once turn his siren on when I uh, when he was following behind me just to warn me to slow down. Uh, I was past going this way, right past a cop one day, and he turned his red red and blue lights on just to get me to slow down. I had a, a highway patrolman in California pull up next to me. He was on my passenger side, and he looked in at me, and he started going like this with his seatbelt. And I put my seatbelt, and I go, I got it on. And he goes, and it was my son in the driver's seat. He didn't have his on. And so I said, okay, Rich, get your seatbelt on. And he did. That's how the officer enforced that. Anything wrong with that? Nope. It's called police discretion, and thank goodness we have that. There's been a lot of stupid laws in America that we've enforced, and no need to get into all of those right now. But one I would bring up is roadblocks. I already talked about roadblocks a little bit, didn't I? Do you realize that we actually set up roadblocks where everybody has to stop? And do you realize that the Fourth Amendment that you and I swore an oath to uphold and defend when we first took our jobs, that we promised our citizens that we would uphold and defend the Constitution? And do you know that that is required by the supreme law of the land that we take that oath? Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution requires us to take that oath. Do we keep it, Chief? Do we keep our oath? And let me ask you a question. If you wanted to keep your oath, would you be able to? Or do you have to get permission from your town manager, or from your city council. And isn't it something that you report to them and not to the people that actually pay your salary? I've often thought about that. You know, I put in for a couple of chiefs of police position before, before I ran for sheriff, and then I, even a couple after I left the sheriff's office. I think it's a great job. But I'd like to ask every chief of police in the country the same question. Just what is our job? And why is it that we don't have to keep our oath? And if we do roadblocks, how do we keep the Fourth Amendment when it requires us to have probable cause before we stop? Oh, the Supreme Court says we can do that. The Supreme Court has been wrong lots of times. Uh, look up Plessy versus Ferguson, where they continued segregation for 55 years when they instituted this crazy thing called separate but equal doctrine. Whoa, you really think it's okay, Chief? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but this is just between you and me. You really think it's okay for us to stop all vehicles 
without probable cause to go on a fishing expedition to see if they've been drinking or that they're impaired while they're driving right then and there, and then demand their papers, their driver's license, their registration, and proof of insurance. And if they don't have those, well, we cite that too. And we're arresting these people literally without probable cause. And what have we done to justify those uh, checkpoints? Well, as long as we get a bunch of arrests out of it, as long as we get 150, 300 or so DUIs out of it, then it it was worthwhile and it was must have been constitutional. It's not constitutional. And I don't care how many Supreme Courts say that's constitutional. I know it's not constitutional because it violates the Fourth Amendment. You know it's con- unconstitutional, or at least I hope you do. But that's what we do at the CSPOA, and that's why I named the CSPOA the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which you definitely are one. And sheriffs are both most of the time. But I sure hope we get more chiefs of police on board with this. You see, Chief, what is our ultimate goal? What really is our job? I mean, I've heard deputies and and, uh, patrol officers complain about their sheriffs and chiefs not letting them do their job, as I said earlier. What is our job? DUI checkpoints or find ways to arrest all the DUIs we can, write all the tickets we can, kick in the doors. Oh, of course, we've got to arrest these potheads. Well, they're legalizing marijuana all across the country now, too. And haven't we learned that the drug war is not working yet? Haven't we learned that we're not going to arrest away the drug problem? I'd love to sit down and talk to you about that, too. I'd really like to talk to law enforcement and schools and churches and and police departments and, and civic organizations to find a way really to attack the drug problem. What I do know is that prohibition doesn't work. It didn't work in the 1920s, and it's not working now in the 2000s. We haven't done anything to get rid of drugs. They're still as prevalent as they were ever, and they're more potent and more profitable. So what are we doing, and really what is our job? Well, first of all, remember, Chief, you swore an oath of allegiance to the Constitution when you took your job. Would it be okay for you to notify your city council, especially if you got a contract? If they can't fire you at will and you have to do something wrong, would they get mad at you for not enforcing gun control laws that we all know are unconstitutional? Or is that just for the Supreme Court to decide? Can you actually tell me that you take your oath to uphold and defend all the Supreme Court decisions? Well, if you do, then I sure hope you enforce, uphold and defend and enforce and obey my Supreme Court decision, because <laughs> it's a doozy, Sheriff. And uh, let me tell you, it says, quote, but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. Did you hear that, Chief? The Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. Can you imagine a Supreme Court saying such a thing? That decision came out. In uh, June of 2000, uh, sorry, 1997. June of 1997. It's been there for 23, 24 years now. If the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions, 
What does that do to the, all the coronavirus mandates? Those are all good intentions and way violative of our individual liberties. Could you imagine that we would ever be enforcing chief? And I know there's some chiefs doing this, that we would enforce mandates against ministers and people going to church. Do you know that there's been pastors arrested for having church? There's been roadblocks to keep people from going to church. Chief, is liberty still part of our job? Or is liberty our primary job? Do you know that America was founded that all three branches of government would uphold, defend, protect, and obey the United States Constitution? Because what is the first goal? According to the Founding Fathers, the ultimate goal of all government in America was to achieve liberty, was to promote liberty, was to secure the blessings of liberty for each of us. I think that we're on, on the wrong track in America. I think the justice system is on the wrong track. I think the political structure of America is on the wrong track because we have gotten so far away from the Constitution that it's hardly recognizable anymore. And how is it that any peace officer could take an oath and then say that his fulfillment of that oath is dependent on the Supreme Court or his sergeant or his chief of police? There you come into play. Would you really expect your officers to violate the rights of an individual in your community to keep and bear arms? Would you really expect one of your officers to arrest somebody for going to church or having a church service? Arresting a pastor in the United States of America where we believe that religious liberty is sacred? <laughs> Excuse the pun. How about Rosa Parks, on December 1st, 1955, she was arrested by two peace officers, by two police officers, for not giving her seat to a white man. Would you really expect your officers to do that back then? Then why would we expect it today? Do you know that there's actually chiefs of police who do their best and try their hardest to keep their oath of office? We've had them at some of our training seminars. We'd love to have you at one of our training seminars. Maybe even speak about how you've gained a relationship with your town manager and your city council, and you've informed them that you will be enforcing the Bill of Rights strictly in your community. What if, and I know this is a hypothetical, but this is talked about a lot in America today. I'm sure you've heard about this where they are actually now considering forcing people to be vaccinated with the new coronavirus vaccination. Chief, those vaccinations aren't going to keep people from getting the coronavirus. No more than the flu shot keeps people from getting the flu. We can't even keep people from getting a common cold. We can't even uh, find a cure for AIDS. This is not going to be a cure. And I think all of us pretty much know that by now. So what is it really for? It's just like the flu vaccination. 
And it's about, even the doctors admit it's about 40% effective. Well, heck, chief, you know what? A placebo is 40% effective. Mm. You know, this isn't going to happen. Well, what is going to happen, if people are forced to take that vaccination in your jurisdiction, are you going to go along with it? Are you going to make sure these people get hogtied, held down, or completely ostracized and can't travel and can't go anywhere and can't buy groceries and can't have their kids in schools? And they will be completely ostracized by the community until they get their vaccination. I think it's going to be more forced than that. But what if it is? They can't eat. They can't go anywhere. They can't buy, go, go get groceries. They can't have anybody come in their home. They can't have any uh, hand-to-hand exchange of people bringing them groceries because, you know, you might be spreading those diseases. No, I'm asking you. If we lived in a free country, Sheriff, I'm sorry, if we lived in a free country, Chief, would we make those decisions on our own? Isn't that what choice is, freedom? Aren't we allowed to make our own choices if, if we get a vaccination? I've had a doctor tell me to get a vaccination before. And he even said, you're not going to get it, are you? And I said, no, I'm not. It's my choice. I appreciate your information, but it's still my choice. He couldn't force me to do it. He couldn't call the police and tell me to, to, to force, have them force me to get it. If we lived in a free country, would we make our own choices about wearing a mask? If we lived in a free country, could I decide not to take a vaccination? If we lived in a free country, could I make my own choice about wearing a seatbelt? Come on, Chief, we want you on the freedom train. We want you part of the sheriffs and peace officers who actually keep their oath. There's no way you can swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution and not study it and not find and discover the intent of those who wrote it. Our founding fathers knew what they were doing. The Second Amendment is a protector of liberty. Not just life and not just self-defense, but it's the protector of liberty. When we discover that as all Americans, our view on the Second Amendment will change immensely. Our view on liberty will change immensely when you come to our CSPOA training. Email me, sheriffmack at hotmail.com. Sheriffmack, M-A-C-K, at hotmail.com. Call me at 602 268-9268. And let's talk about this. I think you're a great man, and I think you have a great job. And I think that our training, though, for law enforcement has created a huge dearth of attention to our own oath of office and to our Constitution. Is there any way that any peace officer in this country can take an oath and wittingly or summarily ignore it and not be charged with perjury? How can you take an oath and not keep it? How is that not perjury? I don't want officers to, to be in, in trouble for perjury. I want all of us to keep our word. We can enforce the law. We can write tickets. We can go after potheads and still keep our oath. But I believe that we'll change how we go after them once we discover the true principles of liberty. And our role as 
police officers and peace officers, what is our true role in this American system, American system based on self-governance? When we discover that, Chief, we're going to discover what really made America great. And I can't wait to talk to you, and I can't wait to uh, have a real good, friendly relationship with you. As I said, give me a call and uh, go to our website, CSPOA.org. stands for Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org. I hope to meet you very soon in, in, in public, uh, in person. Thank you. And I, I want to just mention that uh, to you, Chief, and to anyone else that's listening, because this is an open conversation that we hope the public will pay attention to. Take this copy of this recording to your police chief or to any police. If you can't meet with the chief, meet with any police that you can. And it's the time is really of the essence now because things are changing in America and most of the world. And there are changes that are going to demand all police and all police chiefs and sheriffs too, to make a commitment to what they feel is right and what doing their job really means. So uh, thank you, Sheriff Mack. That was great. And I hope, you know, the message is for chiefs of police, get in touch with Sheriff Mack. Don't say that you're going to do it some other time. Oh, that was a really interesting uh, talk. And now I've got a, all these urgent things to do. <laughs> at, at least write yourself a note so that today you get in touch with CSPOA and find out how we can work together to make the future better than some people are concerned that it might turn out. Okay, you're a major part of that. Don't forget, do it now. And we'll hope to hear from you soon. Thank you, Sheriff Mack. You're welcome. All right, that was Sheriff Richard Mack, our friend who's back on the show, and we'll be seeing him again, I'm sure, in the near future. And this was a message to police chiefs. I hope you're listening, and I hope you realize the amazing opportunity to get directly in touch with Sheriff Mack because times are coming up that are going to be critically important for the survival of America, the U.S. as a country, and also all other countries around the world that have any interest in freedom. Um, Why America is so significant to the rest of the world is that even though it hasn't been fully lived up to yet, it still could be, the founding principles were government exists at the permission of the citizens for the purpose of protecting their individual freedoms and their natural rights. They come from God and they have those already. They don't need the rights granted by government. In fact, government can't grant those rights. Ideally, it can only acknowledge them, which is the whole point of the Constitution and the founding documents of America that don't belong just to people in America. They, they, the rights that they're talking about belong to everybody everywhere. Now, your government may not agree, <laughs> but they're not correct because the rights are there from your origin, not from the government, not from the UN, not from the WHO, not from the CDC. They're unalienable rights that no declaration of emergency can ever suspend. I mean, that's the foundation of the country. And it's been forgotten, apparently, by most of us in America and much of the world that we all, people living anywhere, have the same unalienable rights. 
that word wasn't just thrown in there because they needed more characters on that line. It was really important. And the idea is that no matter what law government makes or what declaration or what executive order a president or a mayor or anybody makes, you can't just have an executive order or even a supposedly valid law that takes away your unalienable rights. can't happen. So even in, in the, see if you could take away the rights by declaring an emergency or passing a law that you don't have the rights, then you don't have the rights to begin with. They're void and ridiculous. And they're not. And the people who started America, whatever their shortcomings were, their, the principle of unalienable rights and freedoms was very important. And ultimately, it's up to the people of every country to preserve those and protect them, do whatever they can, to, whatever they have to, to defend them, whether they're a police chief, as we were talking to today, or sheriffs, or corporate presidents, or people in politics at any level, or regular people like the rest of us. We're the star player in this movie, any one of us, if we choose to accept that role. And I suggest we all choose to. So take some time for introspection, decide what that means in your particular role, certainly for the police chiefs that we've been talking to today, but for all of us. And not only um, in terms of activism in the outside society, but looking at yourself and upgrading what you feel like you should be in what remains of this lifetime. Live up to that, and we all need to work on that. So thanks for listening. Feel free to visit our websites, including the chief that we just talked to. We're at lostartsradio.com and lostartsresearchinstitute.org. And Planetary Healing Club is a special edition for people who want to go deeper into this and really care about upgrading themselves in the way that they become most effective in the remaining time that we've got. There are things, reason that I word it that way is that there are things moving in the world now that are going to make some very intense events happen in the times that are immediately ahead. There are forces that want things to break down and get corrupted and get destroyed and get, you know, exterminated. And I don't think that's a very good idea. It's up to us to reverse that and have the future turn out a lot better than what some of the rulers have in mind. So, place to work on that is primarily in yourself. Set an example. It's the best way to help everybody else. Rather than telling them what to do, do it yourself and uh, become what you'd like to see people become. So, anyway, chiefs of police that have been listening, thank you. And everybody else that's been listening, thank you. And please share this with all the chiefs of police in that are reachable within any radius of where you live. It's really important. If you don't share it, they won't see it. They won't know that they need to contact Sheriff Mack. And that's up to you. So thanks for the help. And we'll look forward to seeing you again in the near future. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. 
Just go to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio to find our rewards program, offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on two YouTube channels, Facebook Live, Periscope, which is Twitter, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channels, at Lost Arts Radio and at Diamond Disc. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. 
Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.
If I stay here or if I go 